BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Big, big show today so we've got between yesterday's after hour session and this morning's pre-market session how many earnings with 354 earnings reports between yesterday afternoon and this morning so a lot to get to we're going to talk about as many of them as we can we're going to talk kodak as well we're going to talk crypto and bitcoin with our guests at 8 35 that's michael sonnenschein he's the managing director at grayscale investments they're the uh the firm behind uh gbtc and the uh, ethereum uh trust and then at nine we'll be joined by the ceo uh and founder of hylion uh thomas healy and he's going to talk to us about what they're doing uh, with electric trucks and how it's different from uh, Nikola and Tesla. So a lot going on on today's show. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. We appreciate that always. I'll throw it to Joel now. Joel, what is happening here in the overnight session? Uh, good morning, Spencer. Uh, a bunch of good earnings reports here. Have the S&Ps up six and a quarter handles. Snuck under uh, Tuesday's low by a little bit. That's 08. We went to 04 and a quarter. Got a nice rebound. Uh, just hanging here at 2320, just under that. Been looking at that for the past uh, hour and a half or so, kind of staying in a tight range. So we'll keep an eye on, uh, boy, yesterday's high is way up at 4675. So maybe if they say some good things on Congress, we'll get there. But uh, really in an area with uh, a lot of room to move between 20 and 30 and then also down to 3210. Uh, we have crude in the green here by 42 cents. Crude's having a good day. We'll take a look here at the crude market. Gold continues its march higher, up 680 after that super volatile day, working its way to 2000. Maybe we got to get the Dow to or the uh, gold 2000 cap on. 
Uh, silver in the red by or in the green by 13 cents at 24.43, and Bitcoin up a hundred dollars here at 11,135. So over the $11,000 level, uh, triple D, uh, boy, just a ton of earnings reports. Yeah. Uh, I hope you didn't get yourself in any trouble because. There's some big rips up there. Yeah, Eight, some good eight. earnings. Yeah. I'd like to start with the Kodak story because there's oh, so much right. to this. And we'll be on earnings for a while. Don't worry. And throw your tickers. With 199 stocks reporting, we can't possibly talk about them all on the show. So send us the ones you want us to focus on. We'll get to at least 10 of them. Um, but Kodak, this story is just unbelievable. The backstory, the Trump pump yesterday. We've got the whole scoop on this thing now. Um, yesterday, we obviously were talking on the show. It said, who had, you know, who knew about this? Because it had a big pop um, on Monday ahead of the news that obviously came out Tuesday morning. Um, we found out. So we found out the scoop here. Uh, Spencer Israel, can you enlighten us? Yeah. So as it turns out, and I uh, had tip to s- some people on Twitter who alerted you to this, Dennis. But uh, yeah, well, Cole, hard. back Cole uh, oh, with yeah. Benzinga. Uh, he actually found a person, this Eric person, who then who who actually uh, found this story, and another person found the story as well. Yeah. Um, and give us the details on this. And so this is from Monday. This is, yeah, this is from Monday. Uh, uh, the uh, Rochester uh, First dot com, which is a obviously a local news outlet in Rochester, New York, where Kodak is based out of. They published a, a scoop. They had a scoop on Monday. And I'll pull you. I'll pull up uh, the uh, the archived webpage. The reason this webpage is archived be- is because they took their scoop down. They took the article down. Somebody they, told them to take it down. But they pull, and you, that's what this, this little gray thing is up here. You, this is from. Uh, this is an archived page. So here's the headline: Kodak U.S. government to unveil a new manufacturing initiative in response to COVID. You can see. I'll scroll down. Published. There you go. Eleven fifty-six a.m. Yeah. Eastern Time, July twenty-seventh. <laughs> yeah. That was Monday. Okay. And you look it up. Look up the chart of Kodak, and that's it when it started popping. It started going slowly up right then. So this is just a little local newspaper yep. um, that obviously got a scoop. Yep. And scoop. then the article was taken down, so it wasn't up for very long. So, but you know, people, there's some smart traders on Twitter. There's some smart traders that all of a sudden saw this, and this Eric person. Shout out to him. Um, who's on Twitter. Um, he just goes by Eric, so I don't know his full name. Um, he was tweeting it out around 5 p.m. Somebody must have alerted him to it, that there's going to be a big announcement to KODK, and he said, this is going to go to the moon. So there were some traders that obviously realized that, you know, hey, there was a story that was up. It was taken down very quickly, uh, but some people saw it, and those were the traders who were buying it on Monday. So if they were doing that, that's fine. I mean, that was public information, at least for a moment in time, so even though they took it down. Suspect- so you could have bought it uh, on the afternoon on Friday. And I don't know if there was a lot of people talking about it, but obviously there was a couple people on Twitter talking about it. And uh, you would have made a lot of money. So, so it so pays to look what, through, you know, but suspect- how do you know to look for it? Needle in the haystack. But I suspect, and this is pure speculation, but I suspect that uh, Rochester uh, first.com, whatever the name of the outlet is called, yeah, Rochester first is the website. I suspect they're probably pressured by Kodak to take it down. That's pure right. speculation. I don't know anything for sure. That's just my guess is that they, they were they were pressured by uh, the company, Kodak, to take to take the scoop down. They had the scoop for whatever reason. Yeah. They took it down, but it was up there long enough for someone to notice. Yeah. 
a few people noticed, and that's why the stock was up 25% on Monday. So it wasn't people with an inside scoop, it was people who actually got a, a sniff of this local, you know, article. Maybe people I know who read actually the Rochester First regularly. And, um, you know, and they obviously were able to make some money off of it. So congratulations. That's just a huge, huge scoop. And Eric, great call there by you on Twitter, because I can see your message from 5 p.m. saying this is going to go to the moon. So great call. Yeah, so, and yeah, continuing that, higher this morning. Well, uh, and there's more to that, Joel. So last night, so obviously Kodak cooled off. Last night, it gets the Trump pump. So during the conference, uh, during uh, Trump's press conference last night, he actually went out of his way to congratulate Kodak on their um, new contract or, or obviously with the government there. So he went out of the way to mention Kodak one more time. And that's why it's up another 68% here today. It was doing nothing until it got the Trump pump. So we'll call it the Trump pump. And that's what this was. And that's what this is trading off of KODK now. So it's not new news. It was just Trump giving it some love. Uh, trading right at the highs of the pre-market session, folks. Uh, right here, right now, we're trading at uh, 1345, 1346. As uh, you can see, just top by my cursor here, just trading at the highs of the pre-market session. I don't... What's a target on this thing? I mean, you know, when things get going like this, it, the momentum, use your pre-market high, wherever that turns out to be. And uh, we are trading above that monthly high. Remember in January when they went crypto? Yeah, Remember blockchain. That? They went blockchain. Yeah, they went blockchain. Yeah. And uh, that's when they got the 1328. That's a good that's number. A, yeah. That's the only reference point I can give you on that. Uh Going farther out on the monthlies, I mean, what would be the? I'll just give you the next monthly high, and it a possibility fourteen eighty. That was your March of two seventeen high. So there you go. I don't know where it tops out. I just Who think knows? when we look at this thing six months from now, it's under five bucks. That's my call. So we'll come back to it six months from now. You can archive this Mark if you down. want, and we'll right. see. So I don't know the path for it to get there. That's why I'm not shorting. Because like I said yesterday on the show. I think it could go anywhere. I said it could go up to 18, it go back down, you know, to five, six bucks and started giving it back. Trump gives it some love. Typically, you know, uh, the circus is in town right now, just like Harlan Pine would say, I sell my peanuts when the circus in, is in town, this type of stuff. Meaning, if I was in it, I'd be ringing the register. That's just my opinion because I don't know where it tops out or at least bringing up some stops. You know, don't let the thing get away from you. And, you know, even yesterday it goes up to 11 off, you know, in the first hour and then it leaked down to eight. Well, you'd given back a lot of the gains. You didn't know it was going to get another Trump bump here, but that's what's happened overnight. I don't think Trump's going to talk about this stock every single day. So I think the Trump bump here is a gift. All right, let's do some earnings here. we got a lot to get to, and I'm just going to rip through some names. If there's anyone you want us to talk about in particular, drop it in the chat, but we're going to try to cover the big ones. Let's just start with Shopify here. It's yeah. HOP out this morning, and what a report. Uh, they blew away the estimates on the earnings, and they blew away the estimates on the sales. Sales was a huge beat, $714 million in sales versus a $500 million yeah. estimate there, although they did say, interestingly enough, that they're not going to give guidance for the rest of the year. Doesn't matter though. Blew away mm-hmm. the expectations for the quarter. What and, and are they making money on the bottom line or still losing money? Yep, they're making money. Just EPS a dollar five cents. They're making that's money. Still making money. Wow, making a buck there too. So that's got to be their biggest earnings. Uh, they've, they've never made a dollar before, have they? Uh, let's see. They don't usually make anything. They uh, they have been profitable. Yes, they have they, been profitable. They've been profitable. So it's it's fairly reasonably profitable. I mean, obviously, you know, we know. You know the the environment for them 
you know, being the lockdown, um, obviously was very good for Shopify. So not surprising that they blew it away, but they really blew it away. So they had a high bar and they got over the high bar. That's good. One number for me, 1074. Is that your number, Joel? 1074.98. That was your old time high. You sold off pretty hard off that previously. Have we been through it in the pre market? Oh, we're talking yeah, we out have. there we in did. the pre market. We did. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Well, you're kind of right there, though, Joel, in the uh, pre market. I'm looking at that top left chart there. Yep. Multiple yep. Well, highs right at that high. Exactly. And it hit it twice and it yeah, got through that's it. Concerning. So. Hey, it's not. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's got to get through there. If you are bullish and you're coming in and buying a 1057, you want to see it get up and get through that 1075 and start getting over 1100 because this could be one of those cases, especially when it coincides with the all-time high and twice bumps up there in the pre-market and doesn't get through it. That's concerning. So great report. A lot of greatness has been priced into this stock, though. So I'd want to see it get through 1074 if I was going to you know, start to really get on the bull train here again. Um, I, I, I'm concerned that it could fail there. I want to welcome uh, Sean Keen. First time listening live. He uses his catch it around 11 a.m. on Spotify. This is awesome. Maybe a new routine as teaching high school from home. He'll have plenty of time in front of the computer. Go AMD. Uh, a range. We'll just go range because this is a you know uh, a expensive sure. stock. 1074, 1078.05. That was on the initial report. Read up. Almost hit it again. So there's your range. Where to buy this thing on a pullback? I'll leave that. Uh, I'll leave that to you, uh, crafty day traders at Robinhood. That'd be a tough one. Uh, it's, speaking of AMD, we should go yeah. there next. Just yeah. a beast, of, beast, beast of a report. Beast mode. EPS beat 18 cents versus 16 cents. Sales beat 1.93 billion versus 1.86 billion. They gave Q3 sales guidance. That was above the estimates. They gave gross margin guidance. That was good. Uh, they're selling some, they're a lot of their uh, rising ships. It's all good news for AMD, pretty much. When you're in favor, and I just want to, I tweeted this out last night, but stocks that are in favor stay in favor a long time. Stocks that are out of favor stay out of favor a long time. What is a long time? It could be a months, it could be years. And right now, everybody is jumping on like Fast Money last night. We had Dan, we had Tim, we love Tim. He on, comes on our show. I'm on the other side of their trade though, because they're like, you know, Intel's valuation relative to AMD is a lot cheaper. It's always been a lot cheaper relative to AMD though. AMD is the story. AMD is hot. Intel's the one that just came out and said, look, our new chip's not coming out till 2023. So that's That's really been the catalyst to carry AMD. That's a long time, Joel. So you look at here and you think, okay, there's a lot of traders that are saying I would buy Intel and short AMD. And, you know, you look at the spread and it's completely blown out because if we go just back to four days ago, AMD and Intel were the same price. They were both 60 bucks. Now AMD is 75 and Intel is 49. You think, how can I go wrong? I'll buy Intel short AMD. It's 26 points. The spread has just blew out. Um, I'll tell you how you can go wrong because once these (laughs) pairs start going in one direction, they start blowing out. They catch a lot of people. There's a lot of people who maybe have that on the wrong way getting hurt there too. I don't see any real support in Intel until 45 bucks. So I know the CEO bought some stock last night. That was out there. So that's helping Intel. It was down and then it kind of went up a little bit on that. I actually traded that a little bit last night. I'm already out of it though. So I can already freely talk about it. But um, 
I don't think the vote of confidence of buying 400,000 shares is enough here for Intel to just turn the story around right away. I do think Intel could eventually see that $45 level. I think I would be a buyer there just in the long term. But as of as for shorting AMD, one rule, the golden rule for me, don't short stocks making new all-time highs because there's nothing to lean on. There's no way to control that risk. I think AMD could be a $100 stock here eventually. Is the valuation make sense relative to Intel? No, but look at, the, look at this. The people who are using valuation when they're comparing Tesla to General Motors, and they were saying, well, this makes no sense. A Tesla can be worth as much as General Motors. Now look at where those people are. So when you're using valuation in a market that doesn't give a crap about valuation, it's very tricky to trade off of that. This market hasn't cared about bottom line profits for a long time. It didn't just start with COVID. It started a long time ago. This market cares about top line growth. They care about revenue growth and they care about a story. And AMD to come in here and start shorting AMD, I'd be scared. I'd be scared to say that this is just going to come right in. I think I wouldn't be surprised if AMD is a hundred dollar stock eventually. So I'd be a buyer of pullbacks on AMD and Intel, I like the 45 support, but I'm not pairing them up and no, short not. AMD and buying Intel. Sorry, I love you, Tim. I love you, Dan. I'm just taking the opposite side of your trade. Intel, I mean, just look at this just long term, though. I mean, it. you know, well, this chart's probably not going to do it justice, but, you know, it was 70 bucks in 65, 70 bucks in 2002. 2001, you know, before the financial, uh, for not financial crisis, the tech crisis. But uh, we're just going to be interested in AMD. I, I would just be hawking the 76 area. Someone is. We've come up just shy of 76 a few times. And Joel's so, talking to the day traders. Yeah, just for, I mean, I would look at that as potential resistance because uh, you see it on, on from several. A day, yeah, the, from a day yeah, trading perspective. That's it. 576, 580. Also, I just want to tell you guys real quickly here the, I don't know what color this is, cyan or magenta here, but those colors represent the pre-market and the after-hours trading. So when you're looking at that, and then you did the a purple for me. Thank I you. did, yeah. Gary, Gary, help me. Shout out to Gary. He's uh, a very I call that great... purple. I don't call it magenta. It's kind uh, of purple. Well, I guess a it's very, not a pure purple. Very patient man. Uh, but anyways, 76. Someone wants to sell some stock at 76. And uh, that that's what you're doing right now. Up 767. I think AMD, just like I said, Shopify eventually is going to be a $1,000 stock. I said that one was down at 600, even though I sold my stock. I think AMD is going to be a $100 stock. So I, 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 I'm not chasing it up 11% here today, but on pullbacks, I'd be a buyer AMD. That's just, I'm making a call. I, I think went, eventually I we're went, going to see a hundred dollar stock here in AMD. And I think we're going to see it in the next year. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably going to see maybe even by the end of the year. <laughs> so uh, in the next 12 months, fair to say. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll say, I, I think AMD is a hundred dollars by the end of the year, next five months. Okay. We'll next put the over on. We'll see where we're at December 31st. If it's ever kissed up over a hundred, but I think AMD is going higher. All right. But um, not chasing. Don't buy. We, the, the, that's the story is by the dip, not by the rip. We're up 11% here today. I mean, it could go to 80, 83. So, I mean, if you want to chase, I guess you chase, but I always wait for a dip. So, you know, it's maybe you get a cool off period. Maybe the market pulls down. Maybe you get back down to 71, 72, you know, and then maybe you strike, but where you can control the risk a little bit more. I hate buying gap ups, but I'd love to own the stock. All right, let's move on. Let's, let's do Starbucks here. I'm just moving through the list without any rhyme or reason. Starbucks beat on their earnings yesterday after the close. They lost less money 
than analysts were expecting. They lost 46 cents per share. They were expected to lose 59 cents per share. Sales also beat 4.22 versus $4.06 billion. They are also raising the low end of their earnings per share guidance for the year from 55 cents to 83 cents. Uh, which is in line still with the ranges they gave is in line with the estimate, but they're raising the bottom end of the, of the floor end of their, of their guidance comps for the year are going to be down anywhere between 12% and 17% on a year over year basis. So some good things there uh, and, and some, some bad things there. I mean, they're coming in above estimates, which is good, but I mean, they're still getting hit pretty hard by this crisis. Boy, oh boy, uh, 80 bucks. That's really all I can say about this stock. You did blast there after hours. Um, they wore, I, get, I think they gave a warning on this day, 82. You went to 80. That was the high on that day. Sold off back to the scene of the crime. We'll see if we get back up over 80. If not, you got some room between 80 and 82. Looks like you're finding a little bit of uh, of um, intraday or pre-market support here at the 78.50 area. I have no comment on Starbucks. I mean, $80 to get up there and it's got some resistance ahead, but there's been a lot of stocks that, and we're going to get to those two car LB that are now rallying because their earnings weren't that bad. <laughs> and also, and this is a different story in Starbucks, but just cutting expenses. I mean, Albrands is in desperation mode here and they obviously came out with some guidance as well. Um, overnight, not, they weren't on, they weren't on the list, but they came out and they were talking about the, how they're trying to cut costs and trying to, obviously figure out a, a plan forward here um this car did come out with earnings the earnings were an absolute disaster which was expected they're talking about cutting a hundred or they've gotten rid of a hundred thousand cars they're talking about you know they canceled an order for another hundred and seventy five thousand cars so everybody's excited with car here um because they're you know cutting expenses like crazy but i mean it's a rental car company. Let's yeah. think about what we're buying here. So the car earnings were okay relative to expectations. I got them in front of me. They lost $5.60. They were supposed to lose $5.84. So I guess that's a beat. You know, even though you lose $5.60 in the quarter, but obviously nobody was renting cars. Somehow their revenue, I guess the revenue was very low too, the estimate, $760 million versus $719 million. So their guide down from the previous quarter, which must have been substantial, they got over their very, 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 very low bar. So, so, so Avis said, Ava said they removed uh, over a billion dollars in expenses during the quarter. So they saved over a billion dollars. And in that same theme, uh, Dennis, you just hinted at Brands, uh, not earnings, but they came out and said that they're cutting – 15% of their corporate workforce, and that's going to save them around $400 million annually. So uh, two uh, stocks that have been really beat up hard, both saying, look at us, we're cutting costs. Deserved to be beat up hard. And if you're coming in and buying a car now at 30 bucks, first of all, Uber and Lyft were eating their lunch before COVID ever came around. I mean, yeah, car had a nice pop up there in early January, February. I don't even remember what that was all about. But, you know, if we look overall, Avis budget, you know, topped out in 2014 at $69. There's a reason it was down at $30 in 2019. And that was because Lyft and Uber. People aren't, you know, renting cars as much when they can just quickly get an Uber or Lyft. It's so much more convenient. So that is still going to be an issue for them going forward. Lyft and Uber are not going away. Yes, you know, COVID will get solved and yes, there'll be a vaccine and maybe they don't have as much competition from Hertz, but people are citing, oh yeah, Hertz is off the board. Hertz is not stopping operations. They're not in full like sell, you know, and, and close up shop. 
they're just going through a bankruptcy. They will emerge from bankruptcy and still be a car company. So you will still have competition from Hertz. Sorry to say, Avis Budgets shareholders, CAR, I think it's had an incredible run from the lows. Um, could it continue? Sure. I mean, it can do whatever it wants. This market's silly, you know, to reward, you know, just the epic, you know, the, uh, the, to reward them going over the, the, the low bar that they set. I, I, I wouldn't want to own the stock. It was 10 bucks back in May. I think it was deserved. It's back to 30. I think it's a gift for the longs. I, I don't know where it's going. I just don't see the reason for me to come in and be a budget shareholder when there's so much competition and COVID is still out there. So, 30 bucks. Sorry, I don't like the stock. Uh, I think we, we got that. Uh, you got that across to us very well, Dennis. Bumping your head up against 30 bucks. The initial spike was the 31.50, and uh, there's definitely buyer's remorse after that. You pull back to the $30 area. Um, all what Dennis set aside here from a long term perspective. Hold 30 bucks. You're 37 cents above it, uh, up 277. I have no idea what the short interest in, in this is, but hold 30 bucks. High. Yeah. You, I mean, you hold 30, take a poke, take a look at 31.50 perhaps, but that's it. That's hold 30. That's all I have to say about uh, cars here. And uh, 31.85 was your high on, uh, on June 9th. So don't get. Don't get super excited, even if you do take out that thirty-one fifty. But below thirty, look out below. L Brands, you got a sneaky seller at twenty-three. He's out there, hit twenty-three the first time, and then he let it. He or she or bot let it get over twenty-three again right. to twenty-three twenty. They. So there you go. There's your. Uh, there is your daily resistance. Blasted through. You 22. still got this one, Joel? We still got this. Hey, hold we on do. to it. <sighs> I have to. I'll have to talk to the chief investment officer. You get to twenty five. <laughs> this stock has got huge resistance at twenty five. It was a big level for it back in twenty nineteen. Finally, took it out. It went back up early twenty twenty. Kissed that level, and then COVID hit and it sank. It gets anywhere near twenty five. I think it's a nice short setup. Yeah. Um, I, I I absolutely hate the stock. Um, just from a long perspective. So I'm going to talk completely against your book here. I mean, That's this a, is mall base, Victoria's Secrets. This is everything that I do not want to own in a company. So I'm. Um, so women aren't going to be wearing Joel, bras and underwear. I'd be getting the hell out of this. Okay. I want to go into your account and sell it for you. That's how much I. You've hate never the said job. that before. I want to go into your account, log in, and Woo! sell it for you, Joel. Um, this is a gift. It's up twenty percent here this morning. I think it has the possibility. If you want to be greedy to get to twenty-five, I don't think anyway how it's getting through twenty-five anytime soon. I think there's going to be a wall of resistance there. I'm not even sure it doesn't give some of this back already today. Up twenty percent on cost-cutting efforts is not the reason to own a stock. All right, hate well, it. I, I'm seeing hate it. At I'm seeing nine percent short uh, float in L Brands and twenty-two percent in Avis Budget. So. Dennis, you are you are either like you either love something today or you hate I'm it not, today. I'm being on the fence. You, you you're know, not on the this, fence, man. You know what? I I watch this. You know, segments on Mad Money and these technical analysts come on and they say, you know, silver's gonna go up, but if this happens, it's gonna go down. And they're like, okay, it's going to go up 10% if the dollar does this. But if the dollar does this, it's going to go down 10%. I'm like, so is it going up 10% or down 10%? If I don't want to make a call on something, don't make a call. But don't say it's going to go up 10% and down 10% because then you can't be wrong. Make a call. 
get off the fence. You want to talk about a stock, you know, that's why I say no comment. I'm not making a trade. I don't know how to call it. Say that then. But don't say, don't cover your ass and say, oh, it's going to go up and it's going to go down. Who I did? mean, to make a call. You got in a Twitter I, spat with somebody over that. Who and was she that? blocked me. It was uh, a Carolyn Broden. And she, she blocked and they were on you? There. It was the same thing. The Fibonacci cream. You? And she's fine. I have oh, no problem with her. Carolyn but her analysis was not you. fine. Her analysis was, it's going to go up if it does this. It's going to go down if it does this. I mean, well, okay. Well, you're saying it's going to go up and it's going to go down. Well, get off the fence and make a call. I don't, I don't like analysis. It covers both ways. And then you say, oh, yeah, I was right because it went up or oh yeah i was right because it went down because you said both i have a call i want to make on ebay here it's going to go up or it's going to go down <laughs> good call spencer Thanks. good call it's going it down if it stays flat you're really in the shitter though because it's really <laughs> that is, now you're doing you swear it again i know Jason man has loosened up the range yeah that. yeah wait till the what? sec car the uh no, what is it called okay, the, the fcc no, the fcc the fcc um but in all seriousness, I really don't know why eBay is down this morning. Their earnings beat, their sales beat, and they raised their guidance for the quarter and for the year. So go figure. I don't know. But eBay. Well, is- it's run. It's run and run and run. I mean, this stock has been one Come of the most off a incredible. Bit. This has got to be the biggest run in a quarter that eBay has had in decades. I'm not sure. eBay's is. doubled. It's doubled since the lows in April. More than doubled. So it has just been on the most incredible run ever. So the bar was set very, very high. Where Shopify got over the very, very high bar, this definitely did not get over the very, very high bar. Beating by two cents, a dollar eight versus a dollar six, and beating two point eight seven billion versus two point eight billion is a slight beat. A slight beat on a stock that is up over a hundred percent from where it was in April. Do better so that, than that is exactly why the stock is trading down here this morning. Yeah, it's trading down a buck thirty-eight. Uh, someone really whacked it down to fifty-two fifty, and the buy the dippers came in. Now that it's now that it's back up at fifty-five, that just gives me like the feeling like, hey, that that pre-market low is going to hold up at least for today. Now that you're two and a half bucks away, uh, looking at the ranges, I like to look at the ranges from the last two days. <sighs> Man, fifty-six eleven is the low from yesterday, 56.35 close. I think you're going to have a hard time hard time getting up to that area, but I'm sure a lot of people like to see this back near the 56 area. Um, if you start to go into retreat and you're not, and you don't get the 52.50, uh, I mean, even right now, as we're speaking, uh, your next daily low is coming in at 53.55. That's a buck and a half away. So that's your first support level. Let's call the range in this today, 53.55. I don't think you'll see that 56, maybe 55 and a half. Uh, five minutes here until we're going to be joined by Michael Simon sure. from uh, Grayscale. Uh, but let's do Spotify here. Their uh, active users grew, but so did their losses, which is interesting. Monthly active users up 29% on a year-over-year basis. I'll give you the uh, the the earnings and I'll give you the sales first. Sale uh, just under $2 billion. Um, that's euros because it's a European company. Yeah. Uh, and, and their losses also grew on a year-over-year basis. They lost, uh, a, 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 uh, I don't know how to say it, $1.91, but I guess it's euros. So 1.91 euros per share uh, versus uh, a loss a year ago of, of 0.42 euros per share. Uh, so their losses are growing with their subscribers. 
It'll be a Forex major to figure all that out. Anyway, yeah. Spotify down 11 bucks here. I'm just going to say, I don't even look at the numbers. This had a high bar too. See eBay, see Shopify. Shopify blows it away. This doesn't sound like it's blown away. It looks like eBay to me where there was a lot of high expectations here and the quarter was fine, but it wasn't fine enough. Um, it's concerning a little bit. I, I, I like Spotify. I own, I, we, we have the product. We pay them. Like we're on the family plan. I think it's like 15 bucks a month. And we have like four accounts or whatever, um, which, which is awesome. I mean, I like Spotify. I love the product. Um, and I actually would be a buyer of this on a significant pullback. I've played it a couple times. We know from the long side, I screwed up and missed the breakout from 200 to 300, but I played it. A couple oh, look times at that. It stopped right at 300. It stopped right on the kisser at 300. So that's just such a significant number, um, to actually go. And it obviously didn't get there. 299.67. We'll call it 300. That's major resistance still. I think there's enough love here. You know where, if it got down near that 243 low of the move, I think you find some good buyers down there so as opposed to bad buyers i guess but i think you'll find some buyers down there at 243 i don't know if we're going to get down there today if we no, did I, I might take a shot uh early range 252 you spiked down there on the initial number rallied back to 260 and then went back to 252 so someone there's bids there that's uh almost four bucks away uh right now this Swing area would be 256. Last uh, three 15-minute brackets, you hit 256. Someone trying to peel out there, get a little move above that. Uh, longer term, I'm, boy, this is tough. I think I'd be more interested in this longer term if you went if you got into the lower 240s. Uh, I see a daily low not yeah. too long ago. Like Milo, like yeah, I just said, 243. 243 yeah, 243.11, so – I don't know. Kind of not not telling you a lot. They hit it hard, and early range is uh, early trade. Middle of nowhere at two fifty seven. No trade yeah. down to two forty three. I might be interested. I agree. Next, let's do the industrials together. Boeing and GE. Uh, GE out this morning. Fifteen cent loss versus a ten cent loss estimate. So that missed revenue did beat uh, seventeen point seven five billion versus seventeen point one two billion dollar estimate. Uh, Boeing, uh, same story. Uh, missed badly, actually, on their earnings per share. Missed horribly. Sales uh, actually also missed. So the, Boeing was a little bit worse. They missed and they missed. They lost $4.75 per share last quarter. Supposed to lose around 2 bucks a share. Uh, sales just under $12 billion versus a $13 billion estimate. They also formally announced the end of the 747 program. We knew that was going to happen already. Uh, and they're delaying the ramp up of their 737 production. A lot of bad headlines here. Story is GE, Mix, Boeing, Bad miss. It's on Boeing and G. We can. You're right. We can kind of do them together. They both obviously, G's, you know, obviously um, a, a part supplier for Boeing and for the Max as well. Um, it's it's a story like Al Brands like Car. Like a lot of this is like okay, throw the kitchen sink quarter, the bad quarter. Now that it's past us, do we start to see some buyers emerge saying, okay, now we got all the bad news and it's over. I don't know if the Boeing story has all the bad news in it, but I can tell you, you've got some good support in 167. So we came down here back in June. We tested the last couple of days, 168, 169. Call this whole area 167 to 170. Major, major, major support. So as long as you're holding 167, you got my permission to try and try from the long side. But if it takes out the 167 low, get the hell out. So I would say if you're buying at 171, 172, 170 today, that's your clearly defined out 167. Below 167, I want no part of it. But for the traders out there, there is some clear support down here. 
And there's clear resistance on the pre-market trading. I'll call it 174.50. That's a pre-market high. The first run up to there went to 74.30 and then 174.50. I just don't know why they're building planes. Uh, no one's buying them. And no, I, no. you know, uh, no, I hear they're canceling orders. GE, show you can hold seven bucks here. It, uh, it that was resistance. It broke out. It came back. So as long as you hold seven, you got up. I think you little double bottom yesterday, Joel. G. Yeah, oh, that's you do. good. GE does that. Six sixty nine. Yeah. So there you got major support. support down there at six seventy. So you're both on support. There is some support in here, a little bit off because both stocks are lifting slightly this morning. But if they were to pull back. I think you do have some buyers, some people who think, you know, we're getting closer to a vaccine and the story could eventually turn around here. I'm not putting it either in my long-term portfolio just because, like you said on the Boeing story, I mean, the biggest customers are in major problems right now. So, yes, you know, the government is a customer of Boeing as well, but we know they sell a lot of airplanes to UAL and to Delta and to Southwest. And it's going to be a tough road, road to hoe for a while. So what happens, you know, and in a year from now, maybe we're past this. Maybe we got a vaccine. Maybe everybody goes back to the normal way of life. But it's a long way to get there. And it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. All right. So that, short-term trade, long-term investment, no thank you. That fourth member of our party here is our first guest of the day, Michael Sonnenschein. He is a managing director at Grayscale Investments, the firm behind the uh, Bitcoin Trust, the Ethereum Trust, and other other uh, crypto assets. Michael, good morning. Hey, good morning. Great to be here, guys. Uh, what timing to have you on here. What is going on <laughs> with Bitcoin in the last couple of days? Well, you know, we have seen this, and I've been in the space now almost seven years. And when Bitcoin and the digital asset market in general goes through these periods of time where there is low volatility and prices are relatively range bound, you do start to see those precursors. Um, of it seeing a big move in price, sometimes to the upside, sometimes to the downside. And so Bitcoin, if you guys have been watching on the charts, has been relatively range bound for a lot of this year. It did have that massive deleveraging and massive sell off in March um, when really everything sold off. But other than that, it's re really recovered in a really resilient way and has been kind of range bound in that eight, nine, ten thousand $10,000 range and is now broken out above 11000 are you surprised at how uh, Bitcoin crypto at large, the, the way it's traded with the rest of the market? This was this year we got the first real test, the first real bout of volatility to really test out. Okay, well, how will crypto correlate with the overall market that's in a free fall? And now we know the answer to that question. It, it correlated stronger than I thought. At least, are, are you surprised at, at how the asset has traded with the overall market here this year? We're actually not. I don't think that there could be a better setup for a world in which digital currencies make sense. And that's really what our investors are telling us these days. In a world of unlimited quantitative easing and all of this fiscal policy intervention, looking to verifiably scarce assets like Bitcoin is something that is really resonating with investors. And so Yes, of course, you've seen these assets sell off the way that a lot of other assets did, but Bitcoin's up now over 50% year to date. So it's rebounded even stronger than a lot of other markets and a lot of other assets. And that's not something that investors are taking lightly. In fact, we've seen the acceleration of inflows into our products at record-breaking pace. We've brought in about $1.5 billion of new assets so far in 2020. 
And uh, are they uh, through private placements? How, how have you been uh, uh, taking in these assets and deploying them? So all of our inflows are coming in through the private placement. So we're talking about 80 some odd percent of that coming from institutional investors, a lot of that being hedge funds. And we've actually not only seen a lot of interest in Bitcoin, which has always been generally investors first foray into the asset class, but now over, I think it's about 40% of Grayscale's investors are invested in more than one product. So we're seeing this big trend towards diversification within the asset class as well and seeing investors allocate to other assets like Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, et cetera. What about, is it just, is, like you just mentioned that, what are some of the other uh, uh, cryptocurrencies that uh, are attracting interest? I mean, you have you know, Ethereum, you have a couple other ones. What else is attracting investors' interest? Well, so I think what we're seeing is a lot of investors often saying they want exposure to the asset class, but they're not sure if maybe they miss Bitcoin or maybe they missed Ethereum or they're not sure how to pick winners and avoid losers. And so we've been seeing a lot of interest in the Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund, um, which is a diversified basket of digital currencies, um, which trades under the symbol GDLC. And so a lot of investors have been looking to that to make a single investment, but then get broad-based exposure to the asset class. And is it more people that are already in it, institutions that are in it, deploying more of their assets, or are you finding a lot of new money coming into the market? No, I think since digital currencies still exist outside of the areas where investors, institutional or not, um, you know, they, it doesn't exist in areas where they buy stocks and bonds and commodities. Digital currencies are still in an ecosystem of their own. And so generally speaking, the investors leveraging Grayscale products are doing so because the products offer access and offer exposure through a security. So it lets them get into the asset class without them having to buy and hold and, you know, figure out safekeeping of digital currencies directly. And instead, they can buy something that looks and feels like their other investments. Michael, Dennis Dick here. And um, I think a lot of people have this question. Um, and I just want to you know, clarify it for our listeners. How is GBTC structured different than an ETF? Because we know the SEC has not approved a Bitcoin ETF yet. You guys are out there. So obviously, your structure is different. Uh, how are you? How are you different than ETF? So Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is a long-only passive Bitcoin strategy. Um, it is publicly traded on the mm -hmm. OTCQX market. It trades under symbol GBTC. Mm -hmm. The product does not have redemptions, um, which is something you would see in an ETF, um, and it does not trade on the national exchange. It trades on the OTCQX market, where you see a lot of ADRs like Roche and Adidas and other foreign companies trade. Um, one thing that is really important to note about uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is that it did become the first and is the only SEC reporting company that is a digital currency investment product earlier this year. So to be clear, it is not an ETF. And some of those big distinctions are the lack of a redemption program and also the fact that it does not trade on a national exchange. Do you see an ETF eventually getting approved? And what would that competition mean for Grayscale? So I think an ETF is really a matter of when, not a matter of if. I think the regulatory community around digital assets has been very, very active. Um, and I think Grayscale is certainly something that the market should be digesting as, hey, there are ways to 
create products around digital currencies within the existing legislative framework. Mm -hmm. But our regulators are still looking for there to be a couple more improvements in the maturity around digital assets, surveillance sharing agreements, and other things that they've seen for other assets. And over time, the market will mature and that will become a reality. Um, but we're not there just yet. Michael, how does the lack of uh, the creation and redemption process, how does that affect GBT, the price of GBTC as it relates to Bitcoin? Because we know that that, that functionality, that, that creation and redemption system, that's what, create, that's what keeps ETFs in line with their NAV. So without that, how, do, how does GBTC sort of, how does the price change, move around the price of Bitcoin? Well, so GBTC um, has consistently been trading at a premium to its net asset value, dating all the way back to May of 2015 when it started trading. So it's important to note that Grayscale does not trade in the secondary market. We don't control the price at which the product trades on a daily basis. It's really a function of market forces. Um, and I think investors should be taking away that if there's that much demand for access and exposure to Bitcoin through a security, um, then you know clearly this is an investment theme that is resonating with folks um, and something they want to have as part of building out their portfolios. All right, and I have a question here from our chat. It's actually a two-parter. This is from Coin Collector. I don't know what coins he's collecting, but I'm assuming it's Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, he he asked us to ask you where you think uh, Bitcoin's go will be in the next year, and we'll answer that, and then I have a follow up. So. I won't make any price predictions on Bitcoin. Um, I have been in the space, as I said, for about seven years, and I've seen all kinds of environments around this asset class. What I can say um, to the person who asked that question is, look out for certain signs and signals around the asset class. Look at the human capital that's working in the space. Look at the companies getting involved in the space. Look at trading volumes. Look at the maturity of the derivatives market, the lending and borrowing market, all the tools that investors want to see around this nascent asset class. Um, but I think the prospects for the asset class continue to be very bright, but certainly not necessarily sure that that's reflected in price now or would be a year from now. And do you see uh, Bitcoin miners? Is that to you a viable alternative investment potentially to get exposure? Well, so the mining landscape is, is changing quite rapidly. We're seeing the development of some really world-class mining operations popping up all over the world. And while a lot of that mining has been concentrated overseas, primarily in Asia, we're seeing a lot more mining popping up in Europe and in North America. So certainly going to be an increasingly competitive market, but also these are you know companies that play a really important role in the ecosystem. Uh, Michael, just want to ask you real quickly, you know, last time, you know, Bitcoin got off the mat, had a major run, uh, a lot of stocks associated with it uh, made a run too. Uh, you're not really seeing it this time. Uh, I don't know if you want to you know, make any comments on any individual stocks, right? Black, uh, blockchain. I don't know what the other ones are out there. I mean, do you see that as, you know, something good that there's not just rampant speculation in these other stocks or... You know, do you think that there's some stocks, I mean, wasn't IBM supposed to be getting into blockchain? Are there any big companies uh, getting in that perhaps, you know, give more validation to the cryptocurrencies? Well, I think certainly what we've seen recently are a couple of really notable investors very publicly getting themselves involved in the asset class. So you have the likes of Paul Tudor Jones, Renaissance Technologies, amending 
their you know investment mandates to allow for investment in Bitcoin. You've seen banks like JP Morgan coming out and publicly saying that they're extending banking services to certain digital currency related businesses. These are kind of those signs and signals that we want to see happening around the ecosystem and around having it be more and more mature. I think in other market environments, we've certainly seen investors get excited about chip makers and other companies whose businesses are a little bit more directly tied to developing and maintaining the digital currency ecosystem. But I personally don't have a strong view on any one of those because I also think we're dealing with a totally new market paradigm and obviously very, very different market conditions. Michael Sonnenschein is a board member and managing director at Grayscale Investments. Michael, we appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. 8.47 here, about 12 minutes left in the hour, 12 minutes until we're joined by our next guest, the founder and CEO of Hylion. Uh, please remember to uh, like the video, subscribe. We appreciate that. Let's go back to the earnings parade, guys. Do you have any preference where you want to go? Or uh, I can just throw us some tickers. Let's go to ticker time. Uh, let's start with Visa here. They had uh, earnings, and I want to get there on my list here. So they had earnings after the close yesterday, beat on their EPS, missed on their sales figure. I own MasterCard. Somebody's asked me if I'd buy the dip in Visa. No, because I own MasterCard, and these two stocks pair so well together. I mean, you look at the charts and stick them on top of each other, and they're virtually identical. So if you own Visa, you own MasterCard. Um, obviously, MasterCard's moving down a little bit in sympathy as well. I own MasterCard, so if I didn't own Visa, would I be a buyer somewhere in there? Maybe 187, 188, but again, they've had big runs. So coming in here and saying, oh, I got to buy the, the, the 1% dip, it's not really a dip. No, it's not. It's down 277. Uh, popped a little bit, got up to over 199. Then they slammed it. It's made the new low, uh, low in the pre market trading, 192 and a quarter. Nothing's really standing out to me. I think a little bit more buying interest would come in here under 190. Uh, you had a low ah, back at 187.18. I see a couple at 186, 187. I mean, even if you want to be more uh, patient in this one, maybe get down to fill the gap. Uh, you had a, that was at the 184 area. So I don't know. It's um, it's within striking distance that pre-market low. I think it's got to work some work to do under one ninety. Uh, just a couple more tickers on my list, and then we'll get to some stuff in the chat. But as far sure. as, as far as earnings, I wanted to look at uh, I wanted to look at FireEye, and I wanted to look at Afria. Uh, let, let's do Afria first. They had earnings this morning. Pot has been really hot. Yes. The past couple of days, just heading heading into. This report, uh, I guess you could say that, but uh, free out this morning, uh, sales up 18% on a year-over-year -year basis. I don't have their earnings per share in front of me, but uh, the, the bottom line here, beyond just the, that headline, is that pot's been really hot, yeah, hot, whole sector for the past couple of days. Three-day. We've had a three-day breakout there. Um, I mean, a little bit of this to do, and it's crazy, but two days ago, Fast Money, Tim Seymour was really pumping the pot stocks, and they started to lift on that, and it just has continued. Now, I'm not saying he was the entire catalyst for the move, but it doesn't hurt, you know, when you got a couple hundred thousand people watching and, you know, all of a sudden they say, no, this is the turning event for pot. Like he was very, very bullish, very bullish commentary. And I watched CGC on his comments go up about three and a half percent. That was two days ago. So sometimes they can turn just on, you know, a speculator commentary from fast money. And uh, that helped. That helped to keep it going. It's a big move now. If you're coming in like a CGC, 
Afria is giving me a pullback here, so maybe that's a different story. But, you know, CGC, if I'm just looking at that, and I've always looked at that as kind of the leader of the group, um, $16. It's went up to almost 20 yesterday. You pull back in the 18 area, it gets interesting from a technical basis. Again, remember, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, are still trading that ridiculous nosebleed multiples, you know, relative to the competition that is coming for them. But they've come down a long ways as well. I mean, you think about Afria used to be about oh, yeah. a $20 stock and it got down to two bucks. So, yeah, at a certain point in time, these stocks can maybe, you know, start to make some sense from a valuation perspective. Um, but from a, te a technical perspective, I wouldn't be surprised if Afria, APHA, gets bought near the $5 area. And yeah, I think you already think saw so. it in the pre-market. Yeah, because yeah, you, you broke out. So you're coming back to the area of the breakout. A lot of times that old resistance becomes new support. So I think in the low fives, I think some people take a shot on Afria. So I wouldn't be surprised if the dip gets bought. Yeah, and uh, you know, it just after that that run up over the last two days, I think people you know that were short or people that shorted into that. I think that's a little bit of a gift here. And as you can see, it hit five twenty, bounced pretty hard off that, gotten in that same region. Uh, you have a daily low uh, at um, five five nineteen. The previous day's high was five eleven. So I like I like that whole area too. Uh, coming back on the upside, boy, people like to see six bucks. What was the close? Uh, the close was six bucks even. Five eighty six was your low. That will fill the gap. So looking at resistance up at that close from the high up to the close, five eighty six to. Six I should also mention that Scott's Miracle Grill had earnings this morning. Not only did they beat and they beat, but they announced a special dividend of $5 per share and, and they raised their guidance. The old special $5 dividend trick, Dennis. Who's, who's did this? This is Scott's Miracle Grill, SMG. So they're doing a $5 special divvy? Yep, on top of an earnings beat and a guidance raise. Unbelievable, this stock, and I'm so mad at myself. I bought this stock as, you know, you know, as, uh, I bought this stock back, I think, around like 80 or, I think it was 75 bucks back in 2019, and I watched it go down to 60 on me, and I'm like, man, and this was back when pot was still kind of hot, and I'm like, this is kind of a play on everything, you know, just a play on farming altogether. Um, and then it started to come back and it made the ridiculous run. It got up to like a hundred bucks. and I was like, okay, it's starting to get overdone. And I sold it. And now it's 162. And again, maybe, you know, when you're just buying companies at good valuations and you're buying good, strong companies, you got to buy them and forget to own them. And I always get into this trouble where when I, once I take heat on something in the long-term investment account, then it starts to come back and show life again. You get that like, ah, you know, I took so much heat. Now I'm up and then maybe I should just get out. You know, and then that's when the trade really starts working for you. So I screwed this one up, you know, selling this at whatever I sold it at, 100 bucks or $95, 162 here now. It's been an incredible company. Wow. It's at an all-time high. Rule of thumb, remember golden rule, don't short stocks, making new all-time highs. It's up 11%. I'm not chasing it here. But on pullbacks, Scott's Miracle Grow has been awesome. $150 if it was ever to pull back there would be major support now. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a print here, uh, 162.70. Uh, your last print at 162.49. 7,000 shares have traded up there. So what's that? Let me see the daily volume on this thing. That's, uh, I mean, that's, is that anything significant? Does this trade a lot of volume? I bet just over a million bucks. Or, no, or it's light volume, Mitchell. No, so it, well, it this... only trades 350,000. It traded 350 yesterday. Keep an eye on that pre-market high. Uh, that's all I can say. Get above, get above that. You just keep on running. Uh, 
no idea where to buy this on a pullback it, or a day trade. It's a good point you're making. You got to look at that volume sometime. Only 7,000 shares have traded. So you can say price discovery is still going to be mainly at the open on this. So it could go anywhere. So don't kid yourself. You know, we saw Sherwin Williams yesterday uh, report a fabulous quarter. Stock was trading up, um, you know, and had great numbers. And stock traded up and opened up at like 655. And within 10 minutes went red. Did you see that move? And sure, that was quick. Yeah, those, those high price. It actually it got a buy a buck or two below yesterday's low. I mean, it came right into that yeah. area. Uh, Kodak still ripping here, folks. I twenty bucks maybe up seven eighty four. Big five. Look at this thing. Twenty seven million shares of trading and Robinhood's got a hold of it too now. You got the algos in there, you got Robinhood in there. Everybody's talking about it. You know, half the people on Twitter are talking about this right now. It's been an incredible move. Trump talked about it. And when Trump mentions a stock specifically, it's gonna get some love. And especially a stock, you know, that's you know been out of favor for a long time. You're squeezing people, you're squeezing shorts up another hundred percent here today. It can go anywhere. This is a no touch for me. This kind of stuff, I'm going to say it again. Everybody who starts trading is naturally attracted to this. I'm telling you, I've dealt with traders for 20 years, been prop. Every trader that starts trading, I started trading penny stocks when I started trading. When you start trading, you're attracted. Where can I make money fast? Where can I get fast rich money. fast? The fast money. They got to show fast money. They want to get rich fast. That's what people do. That's what people want to do. They want to get rich fast. I'm telling you, the way to be successful, if you're looking, you know, and you just want to dabble and you want to have some fun, you want some casino money, go trade Kodak. If you want to just go to the casino and put it on red or black on the roulette wheel. But this stuff is the hardest stuff to trade. It's wild. It could be, you could buy it at 16 and be at 13 on you. You could short at 16 and it could be at 20 on you. Nobody knows where this is going to go. Nobody, nobody in the whole world knows where the stock is going to go. All I'm saying is that when the dust settles and you get all this algal action out of there, all that, then it'll start to leak eventually. I don't know where that happens, though. Nope. Shorting on day one is suicide. You're shorting, this is day two. It's still suicide. So put on 100% on a Trump pump. You can't come in here on the first day and just say, you know, um, you know this is going to be the top or this is going to be the turnaround story. But if you're coming in putting real hard investment dollars into it at this point, I think you're on the wrong side because I think when you look at it six months from now, I think it, the story will cool off. And I think it'll be back down under five bucks. So um, I, the way I've been successful in this business is I trade more boring stocks. And we know I'm attracted to boring. I trade General Electric. You know, if I'm looking at the stock, Goldman Sachs, you know, the banks, you know, the, 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 the food stock. I trade all the boring stuff. Why do I do that? Because it's more predictable. I'm trading what is predictable. What is, you know, what has happened before. There's relationships. What's your relationship with Kodak? What would you pair up with Kodak? You can't do any of that. There's no relationship to anything here. It's just going wild. It's trading on Momo. It's trading on momentum. It's trading algorithmic. Look how fast it's trading. I know. So They're it's not very, humans. very difficult. Not, so the point being, humans. and I'm going on a rant here. The point being, I know you want to cut me off, but the, I want no. to make a clear point here. The point is, if you are new to trading, and you want to just you know throw all your money in this? This is this is the hardest stuff to trade. The the people who are going to be in this business for 15, 20, 30 years are the people who realize that boring makes money. Boring is the way to go because it is more predictable. All of my trades, if you watch me trade, yeah, I'm doing 50 stocks or 100 stocks, but you know how I control them all? Because they're all boring. I can't. <laughs> that's why I say I don't trade Tesla because I have to babysit that stock. 
I can't have 50 position overnight they positions don't, no on way. Yep. and have Tesla on and it's flying around. I'm trying to babysit this and now I'm neglecting the other 49. If you have like 50 positions on, you need to, you know, to, to be watching those. So they have to be more boring to be able to manage them all. So I cannot trade something like this. If I was bored and I just want to have some fun, sure, this is fun money. But to think you're going to turn around and get rich trading Kodak, 99% of people are going to go broke trading Kodak. I think we got a new person in here, Graflix, and the way he played it or she played it or Animal played it with a straddle. I mean, that's not a bad – if you feel like you have to get involved in something like that after it makes a move and you're like, okay, it might be going to 16, but it could go right back to 8. I mean, I'm sure, you you know, the premiums were juiced in it. Like, I don't know if I'd be, be – crazy, yeah, Joel. Well, yesterday – they were probably crazy, but today they're probably absolutely out of this world. But that, that you know, that's not a bad way with, you know, because you t- hear, oh, the big option trades, this, that, or anything, you know, especially after consolidation periods and, you know, the Hard. way it, I just wanted to point that uh, out. I don't think like, even anyway, the option premium not on this one now. so much oh, on now. this. It's going to be hard to play it anyway. Like, I, I, I just think this trade twenty. It's just, it's so crazy. Like I, you're you're fighting algorithms. You're fighting the the craze. You're fighting everything. Very very difficult stock to trade. That's my point. Just keep an eye. Yeah. No. Great great I'm advice. It's just, a fun story to talk about. It's yeah, fun to talk especially about. with the stuff that happened. Yeah, yeah it's fun to talk East about. Eastman Kodak. But it's not I mean, my money maker. I'm not going in and oh yeah, getting rich trading Kodak. And I'm sure there's some good traders out there that can trade this kind of stuff. But those are very exceptional people. You know, like Investors Underground, Nate over, Nate over there, he's, he's, he's good at this kind of stuff. There's certain people who are very good at this kind of stuff. But, you know, they're, again, you know, the people who are getting in it, the smart money, you know, with those Twitter people on Monday. Oh, yeah. That, like, discovered the story, which is public information. You know, that Eric person, that's just smart. That's just doing due diligence. That's just smart. And obviously, you know, getting ahead of the story. And they've ringed the register. They probably already ring the register if you're in it. But unbelievable. That's, you know, the safer way. Trading something before the train has left the station. This isn't train leaving the station. This is rocket ship that's been blown up into the sky. It's trading the stratosphere right now. And we're just waiting. We don't know when it's going to come back to Earth or how high it's going to go. But we know eventually it's coming back to Earth. That's a hard thing to call. Where's the rocket ship stop? I don't know. All right, that's enough Kodak for like the next three years. We'll talk about them in 2023. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for this next guest that I actually woke up at 3 a.m. today. That's not even a joke. Oh, jeez. Uh, Thomas Healy is the founder and CEO of Haleani. He joins us now. Thomas, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Um, okay, a lot I want to get to here. So let's just start off with this. You guys announced the reverse acquisition, reverse IPO with a tortoise acquisition a few months ago. That's going to close in September. Uh, explain how what you're doing. How is it different than what Tesla and Nikola is doing? Because you're all really, you're in the same field, but you're going about it differently. So explain how you're going about uh, electric trucks that's different than Nikola and Tesla. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're all focused on electrification, right? And bringing electrified powertrains to the commercial vehicle space. But the difference is how do we generate the electricity to actually drive the vehicles? So with Tesla, they're using the grid to recharge their truck, right? With Nikola, they're using a hydrogen fuel cell solution. With our truck, what we're doing is we're actually leveraging natural gas and using that to produce electricity locally on the truck to actually charge the batteries up. And, you know, there's really the, there's kind of three differences when you look at these solutions, you got to look at what's the total cost of ownership, what's going to be the emissions levels from those vehicles, 
and how much infrastructure is out there to recharge them. And that's what fleets are going to really care about when they decide what trucks they're going to go with. So you're, you're using renewable uh, natural gas and compressed natural gas, and you're also uh, not just building your own trucks, you also uh, are building uh, your own powertrain system that essentially goes onto existing trucks that essentially any truck can use, more or less. So you, you don't have to build your own fleet to make any money. Yeah, exactly. So the, the way we're approaching it is we're focused on the powertrain of the vehicle, right? So very similar to what Cummins does, right? When you go buy a brand new Freightliner truck, you can spec it with a Detroit engine, a Cummins engine. Well, Hylion is another powertrain provider. And so we're actually working with the existing truck OEMs like the Volvos, the Peterbilt's, the Freightliners, and putting our powertrain in those vehicles as opposed to taking the approach of, hey, let's do a total clean sheet design of the entire truck, mm -hmm. um, you know, which you know, we viewed it as you know, the area for evolution in the trucking industry right now is really in the powertrain, right? We need to bring electric technology forward. Uh, and we figured you know, the, the trucks that, that the OEMs already make today are great, right? I mean, they, they have a lot of great features. They're already tested. They've gone through you know, safety validation, crash testing. And, um, and you know, the thing that we can come in and do is bring a new powertrain to reduce the total cost of ownership and save in emissions. So you're using, you're relying on, on uh, natural gas instead of uh, the grid or hydrogen fuel cells, but there's a reason that natural gas hasn't caught on, right? It's because uh, it's not as efficient. So how do you get around that? Yeah, so natural gas is not a new fuel source, right? You can actually still go buy uh, conventional natural gas trucks today. Uh, the problem with those trucks is they're significantly underpowered compared to a diesel truck. We actually uh, we took one of them and put it on a dyno and it was producing about 260 horsepower at the rear wheels, right? So when you compare that to a diesel, it's significantly underpowered. And so there's, there's always been a resistance from fleets and from drivers to moving to natural gas because the vehicles don't perform as well. And so, you know, what happened though, a handful of years ago is, you know, natural gas was, was thought to be this fuel of the future for the trucking industry. Um, but when fleets started adopting it, they started running into some of those issues. But the benefit that we have is the infrastructure got built out during that time. There's over 700 natural gas stations already out there across the U.S. And so what we're doing is we're looking and saying, hey, there's a ton of benefits of natural gas. It's an extremely low cost fuel solution. Um, you know, you, you can be in about a, a dollar per diesel gallon equivalent, uh, you know, right now with the cost of natural gas uh, fueling. Um, there's, you know, the existing infrastructure out there and, uh, and there's the, with that renewable natural gas, you can have a net carbon negative, uh, emissions profile. So let's take all of those benefits, but overcome that underpowered and, you know, under, uh, performing vehicle by using an electric powertrain, which has way more horsepower and torque than even a conventional diesel truck does. So the, the fact that the infrastructure already exists means you don't have to build out your own unlike uh, electric charging stations or hydrogen fuel cell stations, you don't have to build out your own infrastructure. It's already there. Exactly. And infrastructure, I think, is going to be one of our biggest challenges as, you know, the industry tries to shift towards electrification. Infrastructure is the big question mark right now, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, it's costly. I mean, we had one fleet tell us, you know, they went and got quoted for moving their whole distribution center over to fully electric semi-trucks. And uh, they got quoted $30 million by their utility to put in rechargers. And so, 
you know, and not only not only that, we had another fleet tell us that they went to the utility and you know that they actually they gave us a story. They were like, "Look, the guy, the utility provider, laughed at me when I handed over the spec sheet because there's not a, that much electricity available, right? You know, electric trucks consume a tremendous amount of electricity. Um, you know, there's a study out there that shows uh, you know plugging in two semi trucks." Uh, to charge off the grid is equivalent to the amount of electricity consumed by an entire truck manufacturing plant, right? So it, you know it's a huge burden on the grid, and so that's where um, you know us having the ability to just tap into a refueling network that's already out there uh, just really accelerates the business plan of what we're going after. So. Who are the, I mean, you already, you sort of mentioned it, but can you talk about the, some of the deals you have with companies? How many, how many deals do you have with companies for your powertrain technology, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, how many deals do you have and how many people, what is the demand like for your product? Yeah. So uh, stepping back a little bit, there's actually two products that we're bringing to market. We've been talking about the Hypertruck ERX, which is a technology that uh, we're going to start delivering to fleets next year in 2021. Uh, but we also have a second product that's a hybrid electric product that's really a add-on to existing trucks. Uh, you can get it put on your new truck or as a retrofit. And that technology, we've already started rolling it out in low volumes, uh, but some of the large fleets like Penske and Ryder, Ideal Lease, CR England are already running that technology. Um, and so, you know, we, we've already started building uh, some of those really strong fleet relations as well as kind of those learnings of how do you roll out a solution to this market. Uh, but then, you know, we're, we're kind of coupling that into being able to deliver the Hypertruck ERX next year. And uh, the one, you know, announcement we've had on uh, fleet engagements on that side is uh, Agility Global Logistics, which is one of the, the leading uh, logistics provider worldwide. Uh, they've come in and placed a thousand unit pre-order for our Hypertruck solution. And so uh, we're going to start delivering vehicles to Agility next year. And, uh, and then, you know, continue on in the years ahead uh, with fulfilling that full order. And, you know, what's really exciting to us is, um, you know, Agility has truly a global footprint. So not only do, are we going to work together on deploying the technology here in North America, but also overseas, which, um, you know, as, as you look at kind of the landscape here, uh, you know, emission savings opportunities overseas and using clean fuel sources is actually in some ways even uh, a stronger opportunity than it is here in the U.S., uh, Joel, you're on mute there. The old mute trick. <laughs> uh, first of all, we are uh, we are on the line here with Thomas Healy. He's the founder and CEO of Helion. I uh, just wanted to ask you, uh, the you said the conversation with Tortoise Tor started pre-COVID. Uh, why go public via SPAC right now? Yeah, so uh, earlier this year, we had kicked off kind of our financing process, right? We knew we were going to go out and do the next round. We looked at keeping it public or going public, keeping it private. Uh, we decided that going the public path made the most sense. And then as we looked at kind of the conventional IPO path versus the SPAC path, um, the SPAC pack had a lot of benefits. It was a faster process. Uh, we met with the Tortoise team uh, just before COVID uh, lockdown really happened. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of synergies there. Um, they, the team had a, viewed a lot of the, the kind of uh, problems of, you know, moving towards electric the same way. They, the opportunities of leveraging existing fueling stations and, uh, and leveraging natural gas and, you know, renewable natural gas is kind of one of these things that a lot of people don't know about, right? It's a, it's a great fuel source that's uh, fantastic for our environment, but it's not spoken about all that much. And so uh, we saw a lot of synergies on, on that side. And, 
Um, you know, we saw it as a way where we could do this transaction and fully fund our business model, right? That was one of the big benefits of it with the capital that we're bringing in. It puts us in a position where we don't have to go out and raise additional cash in order to fulfill this business model. And how has COVID uh, impacted your timeline and projections? Yeah, there's been a, a slight delay in things, um, but uh, you know it hasn't been a huge impact. Uh, thankfully, we've been able to keep our facility uh, still running here in uh, in Austin, Texas, with uh, still moving a significant amount of the workforce to remote during the, the this time, though. Um, but uh, you know, the biggest impact we saw is some of the OEMs uh, shut down their manufacturing plants, and so we had scheduled deliveries that ultimately got pushed out uh, a little bit just because the trucks weren't built yet. Um, but now we're seeing kind of the, the influx of, you know, those trucks are being built and they're getting delivered and uh, we're installing our hybrid system on them. So ultimately all the projections that we've put out there, um, you know, we still see as, uh, as being on track and, uh, and still very achievable, even with all that's going on with COVID. So you had announced that the reverse merger will be completed sometime at the end of, of this quarter, Q3. Is that still the case? You still on track for that? Yeah, it is. So what I can kind of talk about is, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we filed the proxy, right? It's kind of going through the SEC review period right now. Uh, we expect to get comments at some point in the near future. We'll respond to those and then uh, still on track to, to get this all wrapped up by the end of Q3. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the, uh, the timeline we're on right now. Uh, and you're in Austin, Texas, which yep. is notable because now you have a new neighbor. Elon <laughs> Musk is your new neighbor. So what was your reaction when you heard that Tesla was opening a gigafactory in your neck of the woods? Personally, I actually think it's a really positive thing, right? I think uh, we've always viewed California as kind of the, the hub for electrification, right? And I think with this move from, from Tesla, it kind of positions Austin as being uh, kind of another hub for electrified vehicles. And so from our standpoint, we're excited about it. Um, you know, we're, we're excited to have more, uh, more people focused on the same mission, the same goal in the area. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of benefits of, of uh, you know, just building businesses here in Texas. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited to, to be here and, and have others joining us. And last one here, Thomas, uh, an investment in Halion, is that like an investment? Is that, a, is that a way to express a point of view in natural gas, electrification, all of the above, freight? How would you explain what uh, an investment in, in your company, what point of view that expresses? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question and one that I think it... Um, it expresses all those areas you spoke about, right? I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's just one, right? It's, it's expressing a, an interest in this mega trend of moving towards electrification. It's expressing an interest in uh, being able to have net carbon negative uh, vehicles out on the road. So it, a huge advantage for, uh, for the environment. Um, and, it, you know, it, I wouldn't say it's, it's just, you know, focusing on one of those. It's kind of this, this global trend towards cleaner and more efficient and less cost solutions that can, uh, can you know, make a more economical uh, shipment of goods across our country. Right, Thomas Healy is the founder and CEO of Hylion. Thomas, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. That'll be a wrap. Uh, you can't say we didn't get around the industry, folks. We've talked, <laughs> we've spoke to, I think, four or five CEOs at electric vehicle companies in the last few weeks. So I think that's going to be a wrap on that industry for now. Um, there are others out there. Just Elon Musk. I mean, that's Elon. the only- He's no, the Elon. Musk coming on. He's the exception. Yeah. We're working on that one. I'm working Come on, on. Spencer. 
I'm working on that. I'm working on that. But I hope you enjoyed that. What's well, the next uh, industry? Where are we going? Let's take some <laughs> suggestions from the chat. Where, well, where our, our, our next interview with the CEO is next week. We've got the CEO of Chegg booked up for oh, nice. That's a good Thursday. one. So yeah, that's education, education from home. We're going to talk about all that. That's with Andy Brown next week. Um, yeah. So what, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have all these interviews cut up into one video and we're going to, we're going to post them all later, but we've spoken to, uh, Javion, Workhorse, uh, Electromechanica, Nicola. So, uh, we've gotten around the industry folks. I hope you enjoyed it. Dennis, did you have thought? I didn't realize you were still here, honestly. Yeah, yeah I was listening. <laughs> okay. I let you Lurking. run with it. You're better at the interviews. I, I, I talk oh. over everybody. They say, don't, they don't want me interviewing because I talk over the guests. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. That's no, not we're just true, joking. Right, any, any final thoughts here, guys, before we wrap it up? uh 1805 that's where our kodak got to so (laughs) rocket ships go higher yeah so i don't know where they run out of fuel but eventually they do no no uh so if you want to target you know there it is 1805 Uh, pull back 70 cents off that no pfizer 500 to buy pfizer still looks like it eventually wants to try this 40 dollar area it's trying to get up there again um, I'm long in the long-term account, but it's been on a hell of a run. It's very mixed today. I mean, we're up a buck, but the imbalances are mixed. You're seeing some stocks trade higher, some stocks trade lower. Not everything's going higher here. So it's going to be a mixed market here. Again, keep it on your leaders, keep it on your tech stocks because the rotation is still happening. I mean, this market has been full of rotation for basically three months and that continues where some stocks are up, some stocks are down because other stocks are up. If you're understanding the rotation and following it, there is money to make. Your leaders in tech have always been Amazon, Apple, and Tesla is still a leader in tech as well. Yeah, keep your eye, though, uh, on your tech stocks at noon as uh, the big boys go to Congress uh, to testify. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Don't forget that. And a Fed meeting Fed at, statement, uh, Fed so. announcement at 2 o'clock. So. We got news headlines coming today. Fed at 2. We've got uh, tech testimony at noon. So it's going to be a big day, plus more earnings after the close today. Uh, just real quick, the list here. Uh, Qualcomm, PayPal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot going on here today. So uh, with that said, uh, that's going to be a wrap for us. There is info in the description of this video for our upcoming options bootcamp, as well as access to the Benzinga swag store on Shopify. Thanks to our guests today, Thomas Healy and Michael Sonnenschein. Thanks to all of you in our chats. You can always email us, give us any uh, feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. Premarket at Benzinga.com. Don't forget to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it very much. I'll find you if you don't. I'll know who doesn't, and I'll find you, and, and, and I'll, I'll know. So uh, please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 Eastern time. Until then, stay safe out there, and good luck. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 